Now on the Business Radio X Network, Conscious Capitalism, elevating humanity through business in Southern Arizona. Your hosts, Sarah McLaren and Jeremy Neese. Southern Arizona does good business, and we want to talk about it. Welcome to the Conscious Capitalism radio, radio show and, co- and podcast, streaming live and on demand from the Tucson Business Radio X studio. Conscious Capitalism is an international movement promoting business as a force for good. The Conscious Capitalism movement has 50 plus chapters in the United States, including Arizona, with lots of activity down in the southern part of the state. We are bringing people together to make it easier for southern Arizona businesses to do good business and to partner with other organizations who know successful companies value all of their stakeholders, including the communities in which they operate. On this show, we want to shine a light on real-world examples of good business happening right in our own backyards. We invite leaders in our community to share their stories and experiences, to tell us about their personal journey through the world of business, to let us know what makes their organization great, and how they go about bringing value to Southern Arizona. At the end of the show, we'll share information about upcoming opportunities to engage with Conscious Capitalism. Please remember, you can always go to ConsciousCapitalismAZ.com to learn more. So let's get into some good business and introduce you to the voices who are going to be participating in today's shows. Uh, Show, singular, one show today. Um, I am Jeremy Neese. I am one of the privileged people within Conscious Capitalism who gets to participate in these podcasts and have great conversations with people. I am interested in promoting good things happening at the intersection of money, business, and social wellness. I am also grateful to my enterprise of Retirement Evolutions Wealth Management, where we help people invest in what they value for being a sponsor of the show. And I'm Sarah McCrarran from McCrarran Compliance, where we provide safety training and consulting services uh, serving the mining and construction industries. And our purpose is creating communities where we all watch out for each other. So our guests today are Skya Nelson, COO and Creative Director at Fed by Threads. So Skya began his career in the apparel industry in 1987. He became active in sustainable products in 2004 and currently drives strategy and in, in innovation for Fred by Threads, the leading eco-corporate apparel company in the United States. Skya is a native of Hawaii where he developed an aloha style management, aloha style of management as part of his island culture. He loves his adopted home of Tucson, where he has lived for nearly 20 years. Since 2016, he has been responsible for R&D and business development, stewarding the transition to circular economy and vertical supply chain integration. Previously, he was the creative director for Raytheon Corporation, art director for Host Marriott Services, and has been an influential voice at SGIA, ThreadX, Social Enterprise Conference at Harvard, and the U.S. Department of State. Thank you so much for joining us today, Skaya. Aloha, and thanks for having me. Yeah, aloha. <laughs> yeah, let's get a little flavor on here. That's right. Perfect. And remember, you're going to give us a little bit of the... And you want a little pigeon? A little pigeon. Exactly. Come on down to the island. Yeah, come on, sister. <laughs> we'll go get some moco loco. Yeah, you just, you just throw that in whenever it feels right. And we'll throw some flavor. Yeah, and if you do it enough, maybe we'll mimic it. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. Best effort. Yeah, so our other guest today is Dory Morales, publisher and editor of Green Living Magazine. Dory has been in the magazine industry for over 20 years, starting in magazines for the multifamily industry. She worked for the apartment guide as salesperson and then publisher. 
In 2004, Dory and her former business partner started uh, Apartment Showcase. They later sold to Apartment Finder in 2007, where Dory stayed on as a publisher until starting Green Living Magazine. Green Living Magazine was a business opportunity that brought Dory back to her roots. She grew up in New Jersey in a home with an acre garden and always loved the changing of the seasons. However, it was witnessing the birth of a baby cow as a foreign exchange student in Espelette, France, if I said Espelette. that right, Espelette, thank you, France, um, that, changed her, that changed her life and shaped her deep appreciation of the earth. Dory is very passionate about an eco-conscious lifestyle and sustainability because she has lost all of her immediate family members to cancer, dementia, and uh, medications going toxic in their bodies. She takes it as a personal mission to teach everyone that there, that there are simple solutions that they can do in their daily life to create change and to make an impact. So pretty powerful mission. Um, thank you so much for joining us. I can't wait to hear more about that. We're, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having us. All right. So, Skya, let's dig in with you, if you don't mind. Sure. We are certainly interested in your organization, Fed by Threads. But before we get to that, you want to give us a little bit of your background and sort of the journey that brought you to your current position? Sure, sure. Um, as a kid, I grew up in Hawaii, multi-generations. My parents were born there. My grandparents were born there. So island living is kind of built into my DNA, realizing that limited amount of resources affect the cost of things and how you use things. So um, I, I didn't realize that that was just special when I was a kid <laughs> until I got to the mainland and realized everybody had a lot more stuff than I ever had. I think I got my first uh, jacket when I was 10 or 11 years old. So until then, it was T-shirts and flip-flops, and, and that's how we lived. Um, but as a, my parents split up, I, I um, moved to the mainland, and with my mom and my sisters, um, we became a um, single-mom household limited income, and we were food insecure. So I grew up uh, hungry most of the time, and sometimes the only meal that I got was the meal at school. And so as I got older, I, I took a really hard look at what food insecurity did to me personally, and then I look at what's going on in the nation, and that's one of the reasons that Fed by Threads is so committed to feeding a million meals a year and then working to eliminate um, uh, food insecurity across the board in the United States. If we can do it across the world, that'd be great. But you know, we start local. There you <laughs> go. Work our way up. F feed the neighborhood and then take care of everybody else. Um, and then, then going through that system, we developed a. Uh, I, I per personally, I just uh, I developed an understanding of what was going on in the organic world, uh, what was going on in circularity, and. Over the last uh, 10 years, I've migrated my entire business proposition to making a difference in a positive way. And sometimes that was trying to do the most good with what the revenue was, but now it is making sure that all the revenue is good, mm -hmm. that there's no downside, that there's offsets for anything that's questionable, and in the long run, the business operates in a totally earth-positive way, meaning earth-positive wages, social, um, how we affect people emotionally, as well as all the physical aspects of the business. So toxicity in product, supply chain, uh, fuel sourcing, everything that we do, we look at with a very keen eye on it, what the impact is on the planet. And um, that's, that's transformed me personally, and uh, it's set my direction probably for the rest of my life. That's outstanding. Uh, thanks for sharing that backdrop, and I know I can't wait to get into more about some of those uh, leading things that you can present to other people as, uh, that you've incorporated into your own operations yeah. that 
you make it seem like it's just, yeah, this is what we do, but <laughs> there's some education there for people. So for sure. I can't sure. wait to dig into that deeper. Dory, let's do the same for you. Would you just, uh, everybody's going to be curious about the cow and uh, <laughs> what has led you to your vocation right now? So definitely, um, I was blessed to live on a farm for a month when I was 16 years old and seeing the birth of a baby cow, it just changed um everything to me and the area and I just recently went back there a month ago did you and it was very interesting that the family that I lived with was actually um, they are fighting the good fight to make all the farms in France non-toxic and no pesticides and so in their store all of their um, produce and their fruits everything is all organic and no toxins, no chemicals. They even had a French Green Living magazine. Oh, and <laughs> wow. Yeah, I was pretty excited. You inspired and them. <laughs> so it was just like, I haven't seen them in 31 years, and they're doing everything in farming to not have any chemicals or toxins. So That's it's great. interesting that, you know, the, the 31 year gap, and yet you seem to find yourselves on parallel <laughs> paths and converging, you know without ever even planning or knowing. That's it's interesting. Sure and is. they invited my sons back to come next year to live in the same village. So I think that would be amazing for them to have the same experience. No question. So how about in between those 31 years? What, uh, after the cow? So after the cow, um, I guess I'll mostly talk kind of about Green Living Magazine. Um, we started the magazine, my former business partner and I, nine years ago. And I really went back to my roots. And health and wellness is very huge to me. And toxin and toxins and chemicals and just awaring, um, awareness to people. I mean, there's a cancer for every single month. So yeah. at our different yeah. events, we wear different colors to um, engage the community on cancer awareness. And um, also we wear different colors at our events, whether it's Arbor Day or Ocean Day or things like that. And my biggest mission is to educate people on what they can do and then also making sure that um, all the people that I work with are engaged in conscious living. Nice. So was that desire to educate people what was really the, the impetus of Green Living or how, I mean, you know, you, you started it nine years ago, but, but why? It was actually, um, to be honest with you, it was a business opportunity, but then it, then I started learning more and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is my life as a child growing up horseback riding and loving the earth and know, knowing that there's less resources. And then I learned about the fashion industry and right now if we were to quit making um, fashion or making an article of clothing, we would have enough clothing to go around the world for eight years. And so because of that, I changed my buying habits, my lifestyle habits. Habits. I haven't bought a new, um, new clothes, new clothes for two years. For I do clothing swaps or shop at secondhand stores. So, and we write about that and we're continuing to educate the community yep. and the public. That's yep. great. Yeah. People need mechanisms so that they know, okay, great. I'm interested in that, but how can I actually execute on that? So awesome. what would secondhand clothing is fabulous. <laughs> people need to take advantage of that more. We, we definitely recommend people get into sustainable clothing, start by going to thrift shops, go to secondhand stores. You're going to get, you're going to get clothes that have already seen their life and they're giving a second life. So you're saving things from a landfill. It's wonderful. 
Well, and we'll probably get into it a little bit, but then also the the toxins are kind of out of them already by yes, then, yes, so they're yeah. they're safe. <laughs> Someone <laughs> yep. else is, you know, unfortunately sucked up the chemicals before they made it to you. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Well, you shouldn't probably wear polyester in anything, but you know, there's certain things, certain fabrics I would definitely stay away from. So with a little bit more about green living then, so it's it's educating and it's educating, you know, I suppose on green living. So can you give us some more examples about what a reader would find in a typical magazine? Well, um, our mission is to educate, empower, and inspire people to make eco-conscious choices for a healthy life and healthy planet. And all of our... Um, our articles are based on live, work, and play. So there's going to be articles on mindfulness, on meditation, on business, entrepreneurship, innovation, as well as things that you can do in sustainable tourism or yoga or products and cool and outrageous stuff, things like in uh, recipes, amazing recipes as well. So I was, I was, just real quick, cool and outrageous stuff. <laughs> I mean, how could we just let that pass? Could you give <laughs> what's an example of cool and outrageous? So cool and outrageous stuff would be maybe like a solar powered backpack or uh, something that you normally wouldn't see fun. anywhere else, a really innovative product. So ah, so all the things you never thought of and now you just got to have to have. Yes. Yeah. So I'm curious what it looked like nine years ago and how it sort of evolved. Is it the same sort of content and just modernizing with new information or have you sort of moved through the slaloms a little bit and tried and experimented and well, I know arts and education is another area that um, a lot of people don't connect um, mm. arts and education in with sustainability and recycled art. So that's kind of been an emerging um, area for us as well as health and wellness, because a lot of people don't think about the lifestyles of health and sustainability and, and how it all of, ties together. Yeah. And so health and wellness is a big core, but then sustainable tourism is huge and fashion's huge for us as well. And then business, larger corporations and what they're doing to be more corporate, socially responsible and things like that. So kind of well. over time, you've identified where the big hitters are and then really focus there. Correct. And then continuing to um, collaborate with different um, industries as well. And when you started the business, was there any people addressing this space or there were some, but you just didn't feel they were doing as good of a job as could have been done. And that's what led you to. Well, starting in 2010 steer. in Phoenix, Arizona, and <laughs> after the housing boom, I used to say, if I can make it through 2010, I can make it through anything. <laughs> so, yeah. And we've also, um, we've also created some great relationships with cities and municipalities as well. So we partner with the city of Phoenix and every um, year we do their green business leader program. Oh, interesting. And then other cities are looking to um, start initiatives and we become the conduit. Okay. So it's not necessarily your curriculum. It's just you're stitching together all the right expertise and make it so that people can show up for a day or two days. What does that leadership look, class look like? Um, that's normally an evening, something oh, okay. from like four to seven, but they can just connect with other conscious leaders and influencers in the industry. We're doing a big electric car event, um, electric car and autom autonomous event coming up as well. Oh, I like that. Go ahead, you go. Okay, so Sky, we, we've, we, it's, 
difficult to, uh, um, you know, not uh, have gone into Fed by Thread. And we've heard a little bit about it, but we need to hear a lot more. So tell us more about Fed by Thread. Well, eco corporate apparel is not one of those things that most people talk about, is it? I mean, have you ever heard eco corporate (laughs) apparel? No. So it's it's one of those things where everybody knows corporate apparel, you know, polo shirts and hats and T-shirts that every company wears. But thinking about doing it ethically and doing it sustainably was not part of the norm in the industry because most people, when they're thinking about buying clothes for their company, be it a large organization or a small, they're looking at a really low price point, usually last minute. They got an event coming up. They buy a T-shirt, some hat. Maybe it's a product launch. They just want to put something out there into the, the world and say, let's take a picture, show everybody what we're doing. Um, so it hasn't really been part of the system in corporations until recently. Um, CSR initiatives, corporate social uh, responsibility, has um, created a demand within organizations to start asking questions. And over the last 10 years, we've seen zero waste programs, recycle programs, things that would not be a normal corporate active um, program become something that a, uh, a large organization puts at the forefront or even a small organization wants to be identified with. So companies locally or in town that are small, like Ben's Bells, they have a huge impact on the community, even though they're not a very big organization. And when they uh, started working with us, we were able to say, take your clothes, that um, are normally inexpensive, raise the price by a dollar, and now they're not being made by children offshore in some other land. Now you can look at them with full integrity and you can say, we support children not only in the community, but we do it with our products as well. And that makes a huge difference. And then when you start telling that story in a larger corporation where the the impact on shareholders is visible or um, the returns every year from the products make a difference in the organization. So if they're selling swag for their company, uh, a large company like Microsoft has stores where they're selling millions of dollars of merch to their employees and to people in the public, you can do something positive for the world that way. So these are the organizations that we sit down and talk with and we were watching them transform. Um, and Fed by Threads has just slowly been chiseling away at the bad system that's in place in the apparel industry. It's the uh, number two polluter behind petroleum worldwide. It is the number one water consumption industry. So we use more water even more than farming. And that's because the most of the crops eat up the water and spit it out. That's just It takes uh, 600 gallons of water to make one cotton t-shirt, 1,200 gallons of water to make a pair of jeans. So when you start thinking about there's enough uh, product on this planet right now for everybody to have all the clothes they need for the rest of their lives without making anything else, and we're still making more, all those materials are consuming those raw goods and we've got to stop that. So Fed by Threads took the action of how do we reduce our impact across everything? So carbon, water, livable wages, um, and then how things are produced, and as well as emotional resonance. And that's where the conscious capitalism really comes into play. If you're not connecting with somebody with a story of why you're doing something, then it really falls on deaf ears. They don't. They, they can say, oh, it's a cool shirt, but if you don't say, this is the reason why it's cool, it, it affects people in your community, it affects your health, it's good for your brand. In the long term, uh, there's, there's too many positives to ignore just by making a small switch. So in 2016, Fed by Threads made a very big pivot 
from a retail company that was local here in Tucson. Uh, we had a little store down on Congress. Uh, before that, we had a store on 4th Avenue. Um, and we decided at that point that we saw where the world was going. We saw retail businesses closing up in droves. So in February of 2016, um, I pivoted the business to go into full circularity. So we shut down the, the retail spot. And what we did is we started refocusing on supply chain. And supply chain was key for us. Uh, how we were going to drive business to the next level meant that we had to be completely transparent in what we did, which meant telling the customers how much we were going to make off of every garment. So when they looked at it and said, ah, your T-shirt's $5 more than that other T-shirt over there. Well, yeah, but we're only making 75 cents off of the T-shirt. So where's the money really going? It's going to the people that are making the products. So that's where Fed by Threads came from, just a, a myriad of love and concern about our fellow human beings and as well as the planet all jammed together in one pretty wrapper. <laughs> so, you know, you said, well some, articulated. you said something earlier about how, um, you know, fed by, fed by Threads, you know, made a transition. So if in the beginning, it was using its profits for good. And I think in, in offline, we talked about how it w really was started by uh, a guy in a yoga studio who was selling t-shirt and then donating money. So the profits were, were, um, were used for good, but then it was transformed into a company where all the revenue was good. And, and that last part that you said about how, but our, our profit is only 75 cents per shirt. That is what makes it real for me because you know you're saying so what does it mean for all of your revenue to be for good it means that throughout every single step of the process in the supply chain you're doing the right thing for the people and the planet correct yeah so we say profitability is in the sharing because you can't take ownership of something and say, I've got the money off of this. I'm successful. Look at us grow. When you're forcing other people to live in poverty that are building your product, that's unsustainable. That's unfair. And personally, it's unethical in my world to make somebody else pay for my success. So for us, it's about sharing it. And if it means raising the wages and the, the costs of the lowest paid people in the supply chain up, then that's what we do. So the the highest paid person in our company only makes twenty or makes four times as much as the lowest paid person. So we have a very small window of of um, wage discrepancy between everybody. So you're an intern, you're only making one quarter as much as the head of the company. It's kind of it's a nice way to look at it. And that that, that came from Bob Land, I think, in Polaroid back in the seventies. Yep. That was like twelve degrees of of uh, wages between the lowest paid and the highest. Yep, I think it, uh, and it it, um, it instills a real sense of value for everybody. It's like, you know, you are a valuable member to the team. Yeah. Yep, so. And they feel it. And you know, in the, even the vendors, when we go into a negotiation with a vendor, to be able to say to them, we're gonna pay you more than you're asking because your product, you're cutting yourself too close and we know where your margins are because you've told us this entire process, in order for us to be sustainable in the long run, we're willing to take a little bit off of our top to give you a little bit more. And when we were negotiating with our factory um, down south, we were um, we have a factory in Mississippi. Um, we, they wanted a lower percentage of profit than what we eventually agreed upon. And when we were done with that negotiation, they said, we've never really negotiated up from the other side. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a, a perfect example of, that one coming. of, you know, one of the conscious capitalism tenets, which is stakeholder orientation, which just means that the, you know, the health of all of your stakeholders are important and that is in, including your vendors. And it also, um, you know, really 
strengthens the message of the profitability in the sharing, which by the way, I have little stickies that go all around my monitor of, of things that, you know, people have said or quotes or that I particularly like. And I am adding that the profitability is in the sharing. And so that's a perfect example of we, we increase the profitability of the vendor. And that was our profitability as well because we shared it. Correct. And yep. their system is going to be intact longer and they can expand and do more. So when, when we run into a situation where we want to develop something new, they don't feel like they are being um, shoved into a box where they have to perform. They're in a place where they say we're performing comfortably. We have some room to expand. Let's work with you. And, and they understand the limitations that... Um, that we have, and they're re they're very receptive of that as well. So it's a it's a give and take in those types of situations. Well, and it's it's good business because yeah. here you're poising an important supplier to be able to uh, scale with you. Correct. Yeah. Yep. So smart. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> so I have uh, two things I want to circle back to. Um, the first is you said when you're engaging with CSR individuals and the purchasing. So are the Crusades by Dory and their education? Are we at a point where they're asking you because they know these things are important where they're sourcing, or are you still in education mode of the things like you know a pair of pants takes. 1,200 gallons of water. <laughs> it's, it's a little of both, but um, the heavy lifting is being done by the marketplace. So people like Dory with Green Living, they expose people to the questions and some of the solutions. And when we sit down with, with uh, organizations, they're usually pretty aware of the process. They've, they've gone looking in the marketplace for a solution, not knowing that they were looking for us. And when they find us, they go, oh, this is even more than I was hoping You're for. Connecting so. the dots and beyond. Correct. Okay. And then um, it still takes about 18 months of conversion. And that's not because of a lack of education. It's because most complex supply chains require each level to have a different argument to explain to them what the ROI is. So at the C level, they know that it's gonna affect business in a very positive uh, space. They're gonna be, the brand is gonna be seen as progressive. At the same time, it's doing good. At the management level, it's uh, modifying budgets to be able to fit things into place. And then at like the direct buyer location, you have to get them from a place where they're saying, but this other product is cheaper and I'd look like I'm doing my job better if I be, buy the cheap product and we have more budget left over at the end of the year, whereas management has to keep coming back down saying, that's not what this is about. We're going sustainable. We're thinking in the long term. You, gotta, you have to buy for what the long term agenda is. So that's where the, the lag really happens is getting that data from the C-level down to the individual buyers. Okay, that makes perfect sense. And Dory, how about from your perspective, when you're um, seeking people to participate in storytelling for your magazines and these education dynamics that Scott was just speaking to, uh, are you feeling like you've shaken all the trees and it's a constant oh, no. battle or you're like, you're going to have to stand back. We've got plenty there, to talk about. Plenty to talk about. And there are so many businesses that don't know a lot about it yet. So it's a con constant education and people, they don't know what they don't know and engaging them in some of the things that Sky is doing. And I'm a big proponent in partnerships and partnerships with um, cities and corporations. And that way together, if you partner with someone, you're going to reach a larger audience. And But education is key. So I'm not finding some companies. I mean, I think Different industries, for example, I came from the multifamily industry. It's still a three-quote bid, and it's always going to be the lowest bid. But now I'm going to go back and educate them and, and um, 
you know, show them different ROI on if I can go in and educate your owners of your multifamily business and they can save $80,000 a month on water by using low, low flow water faucets and um, devices on your toilet, I think they'll be listening to me and I think the property managers and then I'm getting the same message across to a larger industry because most people don't know, but building the building is one of the largest energy users. So that's where if you want to make a difference, it's through energy and things like that. And it's partnering with the right people and educating them. Like it. So what's hot right now? What are, what are some of the things that are in your headlines and of recent? Um, sustainable tourism is very hot. Fashion is okay. very hot. Um, so what does sustainable tourism look like? Obviously that's a big revenue sustain- item for Arizona. Um, yeah. So looking at um, partnering with going into a city and going and cre- creating relationships with local businesses and things of that nature, but also what they're doing in terms of going into a green certified hotel and making sure that they're doing all the right credit um, certifications to lower their energy usage and what type of paint are they using within that hotel and there's all different and you can actually just stay at green certified hotels as well but it's more on how to sustain in the long term we had a company come in from india and the plastic bottles and they have little cups where they actually just pour in your liquid, your soap, and your shampoo. So that way we don't have those bottles. And if you think about educating hotels where they can make a big change, just stop using those little bottles. You know, refill. I'm sure you could all get containers, and that's going to make a big impact in terms of waste. Right. And local food and using food that's resourceful to that area as opposed to bringing in food from other places. So shine in a spotlight on things like that. That's the main initiative. So that I never would have thought of that. Not that I run a hotel, but I mean, it makes perfect sense to me. I can see both the economic incentive on my part and obviously the social benefit for everybody else. That's what we would find in searching through the pages. Yes. Most regular. In terms of sustainable tourism. But then, you know, what's trending? What's the different stories and things like that? You know, craft breweries big and a lot of people don't know about the sustainability and what a lot of the brewers are doing but also like let's feature a woman that's now a brewer as opposed to a guy and creating you know getting more women involved in craft craft beer sure you had me at craft beer (laughs) (laughs) were you gonna say something sky like this well well you know when i travel i usually stay in sustainable uh hotels and almost every one that you go to provides you with a map of the local sustainable businesses so it's kind of a hub in local tourism markets so once you get there they they've already made agreements or at least sourced out so you you can go find the great organic restaurants that are in the area that are sourcing local foods places to shop that are using recycled materials so there's just getting that one hub starts you off in a bunch of different directions, helping you engage in the community, especially a um, community that you're unfamiliar with, like yeah. <laughs> Tucson. <laughs> and then you can actually volunteer while you're there as well. So there's people that are now doing like volunteerism and they're getting married and going and volunteering as um, as opposed to just going on a normal honeymoon. So it depends on what level of engagement you want to be and how engaged you want to be. So how do you, um, like, form those partnerships? So you, uh, 
you learn of a, a hotel who's who's you know following those practices, and then you work to highlight them, or you you educate them and help them transform and share their story. I mean, how does it all? come together? Well, locally, we worked with Lowe's Ventana Canyon, and we found out um, that they were a green certified hotel. And then we told their story, but then they also partnered with us to advertise, and we're going to be working with them and probably do an event at their hotel. So it's kind of like the full circle. So everybody wins. And that's what we're talking about with your partnerships, is mm-hmm. making sure that those that are doing it right get a spot on the stage. Mm-hmm. Love it. Whether they get to their story told, they get an event um, to sh- showcase what they're doing because mm-hmm. education, again, is key. Absolutely. Right. And then you're, you know, educating others in the same industry about how, for instance, you know, Lowe's is doing it and what the benefits are. And then that becomes both an inspiration and a business case to make a change. Correct. The other thing I wanted to um, go back to is you mentioned circularity, which I imagine is going to be a new term for many people or your connotation of it. So can we dig into that a little bit? Circularity is closed loop manufacturing brought into the next generation. And by closed loop means the end and the beginning are the same place. So where a product starts through its entire life cycle, it is recovered and and. Um, turned into something again, either the same product or something else. So for example, uh, a, an article of clothing can be made from fiber, then it's turned into a milled fabric, turned into a garment, then decorated and, and sent to some company. When they're done with it, they send it back to us and we grind it up, turn it into fiber again and make fabric from it again. So full circularity, cradle to cradle, uh, we, we say dirt to shirt, we know our entire process. <laughs> so from where it's grown to where it gets on your body. And then with circularity, it is, uh, it is a continuity of the dirt to shirt. Now it becomes a closed loop system. Yeah, that's what I was, I was, you know, sort of finally making some connections in my mind as well. You know, dirt to, sh- dirt to shirt, um, you know, that was your, you know, the transition that you made. And, and part of that was that whole, you know, making sure that all of our revenue does good. So dirt to shirt. But that certainly poised you to be able to then do, you know, the full circle type manufacturing as well, because you already uh, either are, you know, are your own supply chain or you're so intimately connected with it that uh, you know how to bring it full circle, I suppose. Exactly. And when you're looking at things like the market shifting with um, offshore production and um, uh, unavailability of raw materials coming in from offshore, then prices fluctuate and all of a sudden a garment that somebody was buying for the last five years that was constant, there's a 25% price increase or all of a sudden there's a, a port closing and they can't get that particular product so they're going, they have to shift to another product. Being a fully circular U.S. made company, we avoid a lot of that because everything is domestic. Everything is in um, a supply chain that I can fly to same day. One of the reasons that we set up our supply chain the way it is, is that with transparency, if there's a problem, I can be on a plane that day or the next day and be looking at the solution. Um, And if you're working in a transparent environment and an instance like a huge price hike happens for offshore goods, we don't we don't change our prices. We walk into the customer and say, we're going to be the same no matter what. You may pay a little bit more today, but in the long run, you're going to have a constant budget that you can predict. 
makes sense for a lot of people as they're looking at the long term because you know one of the things uh, that we're aware of is that PET or polyester that's um, the primary product for making polyester clothes is in its fourth year of price hikes. So it mm. continues to go in price. Water continues to increase in price. So all manufacturers are eventually going to be hitting this crescendo of price increases, and then they're going to have to start looking at domestic manufacturing once they realize that our circular system is actually going to be cheaper in the long run. Because when you buy something from us and we recycle it, we're not going out and having to find those raw materials. You're bringing it back to us, so we get to lower your cost of goods. So we get to offset the cost of the new product by reducing the cost of acquiring the raw materials. That's really smart <laughs> I know it's approach. just exactly and it's just it's just smart it's just again like we say good business and you know the other thing that you know again that whole thing about um, uh, the the profit is in the sharing uh, it uh, it also creates that stability and so you have less volatility uh, that you have to you know explain or you know somehow pass on or not pass on to your customer but then you also the other thing that really hit me was when the when the profitability is the sharing you you can just shed the pressures of always trying to maintain a certain margin or always trying to increase your margin because you've already dispersed it and and you're and you're somewhat insulated because you know you you you've created a, the supply chain with the the transparency uh, and you're less dependent because you're not always trying to chase the lower price here and there and the constant change and you can get on a plane and solve something. Um, but at the same time, again, you've just dis you've dispersed that profitability, and so you stabilized your market. Absolutely, and it's a, such a soft sell because there's no pressure for us. We walk in and we say, "This is the price. We've made it as transparent as possible. It's fixed. It's not going to change. So take a look at it. If it's good for you, then get onto it." But we're not going to shift it. And, and I get a lot of large corporations that say, we really love your product. We, we really want to stand behind you. However, here's a bid that we've got from another vendor. And we're like, no, this, we're at this price point. When you're ready to convert, we'll be here. Yeah. Good for it, you. There's no game. There's no game. Yeah. yeah. So we don't have to play. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like your rules. <laughs> Um, the other thing I think uh, births out of the circularity is your subscription mm -hmm. approach, which I think is really innovative. Would you like to share a little bit around that? Sure, sure. So subscription is a, a version of circularity where um, you have to make a long-term commitment to the purchasing of products. That way we can recover them in volume in order to make the same product again with continuity. So for example, uh, if somebody bought 10,000 organic cotton t-shirts, we would recover those 10,000 shirts from that very large man the company over two years. And when we get them all back, then we would take all of those garments together, process them at once, and then be able to make new garments that go back to the same company. And now they have a Mark II version of the shirt. So it's already been through an entire supply chain once. It's been processed into something new. And they can look at it and say, look at this. We're proud of what we're doing. We've committed to an apparel product that has a second life, and we get that second life. And that makes a big difference. Um, Dory was talking earlier about polyester, and polyester is absolutely a, a very big problem on the planet. And what we're trying to do is remove polyester waste by creating more clothes um, out of a recycled polyester environment. 
microparticles are a very negative effect of that. So for us to commit to this program, we're also looking at the same time as being able to recover microparticles from the manufacturing process, which means eliminating the waste that would go into the water that eventually ends up in the oceans in these giant gyres that most people are becoming aware of that are floating out in the ocean the size of Texas. Right. So when you look at the the world, we're, we're dealing with a, a bunch of large corporations. Um, Royal Caribbean Cruises is very interested in reducing the amount of particulates that come off of their ships since they do 5,000 loads of laundry a day or they're processing all that water out and it just gets dumped in the ocean. They are aware of the problem and they're trying to make a solution. There's other large corporations that care deeply about this and those are the organizations that we're partnering with. So, you know, a company that can, um, you know, buy a shirt and then be able to turn that around and, and their people can walk around saying, you know, I've got, this is my second gen, you know, what, whoever company shirt is a, is certainly a great way to make people feel good about their company. And in addition to just the the great things that your companies do, you still are, you know, running businesses and you still have uh, people that work for you. So I'm just curious, Dory, what are some of the things that you do uh, as the leader of a, a team or a team member to keep your your people engaged and to retain them and to attract people? Um, you know, it's a challenge for everybody. You know, how do you, uh, you know, overcome that challenge, I suppose? I try to keep them engaged with, um for salespeople, you want to keep them motivated, and um, we do different contests, and then I also throw out different um, awards, so if you do so much sales, then you could possibly get um, a vacation at a, like a local cattle ranch, maybe, or something, or um, go to a place in Mexico, but doing bingo games, and have you made this many calls, and make it more of an, um, fun fun and engaging and then also I'm very big on doing self-development classes and different things for them and leadership training and trying to make them think a lot on their own and communicate more with each other and engage and create friendships because if you've got a team that's like a family then you can do anything that's true yeah, I really love that because it's uh, you can call it you know personal development or you know just communication skills or whatever, and it's it's great for business. And I would be curious to hear on you know what you believe some of the most important skills are and you know sort of the the highest priority trainings you do. Uh, but what I think is is the the side effect or the ripple effect is that those skills are great in business, but they're important in family as well. And so you learn those skills and you learn how to you know positive positively interact and maybe have a raised level of emotional intelligence at work and and then you just take that home and it, it improves your 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 relationship with maybe your partner or your spouse and you teach those children th- those uh, those skills through example you know to your children and I just find that they're so lacking uh, you know everywhere uh, that's a, a, a pretty huge um, you know impact that, that you can do by focusing on that but now back to the question. <laughs> Well, uh, another area yeah. that you brought up is too. We do. I do believe in terms of team building and giving back to the environment and working with nonprofits. So at every event that we have, we raise money for the nonprofit. And um, the other thing is going going and doing a cleanup, a buffalo grass cleanup, and doing that as it's a little team things, as well. Right? Yeah. Or we have a nonprofit that works with homeless that shares our office space with us. So I'm going to take my family and also 
anybody from the office, like, let's go um, work with youth, homeless, homeless, homeless youth and things like that, I think is very important because community, um, you have to connect with your community. Yep. Yeah, we, we are uh, all members of our community, and we can own it or oh, yeah. we can deny Ignore it. The but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, what do you think are some of the most important development skills that that uh, you know you focused on with your team? I think communication is key. I think communication is number one um, that you have to communicate. And I also think that people have to really know the differences that they're working with, with admin and sales and why they are so important. Because if the salespeople aren't out selling, then the admin doesn't have a job. And if the admin's not collecting the money and things like that. Sure. Yeah, everybody knows a role. Figure out how we all, you know, interconnect with each other and are interdependent on each other. But and also like, that value, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And that we're also doing business for good, too. And what is our mission and vision? And are we connecting back to that? And go out and take an education class and learn a little bit more about sustainability and net zero. And we compost at our office and we recycle at our office. And um, we don't have, you know, we, we use all dishes and glassware that's... Um, that we take home. We don't use any paper products or anything like that. We try and be as much of a net zero office as possible. Well, you know, you know, we, uh, we still use paper in the accounting department. And, um, when I made the accounting department buy hundred percent recycled, you should have seen the looks on their faces when they said, it's like three times as expensive as partially recycled. I'm like, that's not what it's about. <laughs> you got to buy the fully recycled because if you don't buy it, then they're not going to sell more of it. And if they're not selling more of it, they're going to stop making it. So you have to encourage those behaviors and just by doing those little things, buying a product or not buying a product, you'd shift the market and the demand. Absolutely. Well, and it and it's, you know, you certainly want to have the integrity to live what you preach. And yet at the same time, it it's good business because if you mm. really want your salespeople to be effective, then they, they have to truly understand what it is that you're selling. And if they live it every day, then they're going to be better poised to, to be able to do that. And the same thing with the admin people, you know, if they understand they have purpose, they understand why it's so important for them to make sure that they, you know, collect, you know, the outstanding receivables or, you know, get the bills paid on time or, or whatever. Um, then again, you just have a much better business. Well, also, I think that our, at least with my employees, they breathe it. One of them is writing her personal journey. And so she's on a goal at the end of the year to divert her waste 70%. And then my other admin is a raw food chef. And that's why she came to me and she searched me out on LinkedIn. And she's like, because this is my lifestyle and this is what I believe. And I think that's, you know, and then we can all learn from the benefits of eating raw or what Kate's doing to starve the landfill. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Starve the landfill. Yeah. We got yeah. Lots, of, <laughs> lots of slogans going on in the monitor when this one's done. Uh, you know, the other thing when you're talking about buying the paper that's three times as expensive, um, A, there's transparency that everybody knows that we're buying the more expensive paper. And so you're going to be a little more conscious about okay, yes, we're paying more, so let's be you know, judicious in when we're actually going to print and yeah. how many things do we actually need on paper as opposed to digital things that can be circulated around. Exactly. Um, in our office, uh, we joke that uh, we're, uh, our copy machine is uh, we pay per page. 
So there's a device there. So it's our $100,000, $10,000 machine is what we've called it over time <laughs> because we pay per page. But you really do think about it because the color one is like 16 cents per page and they've got a little counter. And so we are every time you hit send, you're like, do I really need to print this? Is there yep. a better way to do it? So just having it top of mind, that's not not a bad approach. And, and it gives other people uh, ideas of how they can improve their job. So, for example, when our catalog was in process, uh, the... The manufacturer um, here in town, um, AZ Litho, called over to our office and said, hey, uh, which paper do you want? And they didn't have to check with me. The accounting department already said, we want the 100% recycled, so go back to them, redo the quote, and get it back over to us. So it becomes pervasive in the organization, and as soon as somebody says, you're authorized to go do that, the expense is valid, then they take it on themselves and start asking the questions. That's right. Um, this next question is totally self-indulgent. So if you all want to go check messages or something, that's fine. But you <laughs> talked about doing composting out of the office. How, how do you do that? We've, we're lucky if we can get, I mean, we have to manually take our recycles back to our home recycling because there isn't anything in our office park. So what do you do with the composting? So there's actually a company in Phoenix and it's called Recycled City. So we have a basket of compost and then I take it home to my house and then on a weekly basis they come to my house and pick up the compost and then they use it for um, gardens in South Phoenix and okay. they're actually growing some organic gardens so it's kind of like that whole circular economy. Boom. <laughs> Circularity is everywhere. Boom. You can't get away from it. Love it. So is that a fee-based service or they're happy for you to provide them the raw It's a fee-based goods? Okay. service. It's I think $25 a month. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. For a weekly pickup? Mm-hmm. Okay. Love it. Good to know. Thank Hopefully you. Hopefully they'll be coming down to Tucson I was just going to say, yeah. let us know. Uh, or we can put some pressure on them. I don't know. We need some market entrance here. All right. You can get off of your email now and go, oh. join the I'm conversation like again. Dory and I are done. <laughs> I have my answer. Uh, let's see. What else can we talk about? How, how about, you know, you guys are both doing such fantastic things for the world. How do you measure your success? How do you know when you're hitting your marks or not? Uh, for me, it's, you know, how big of a car and mansion I live in. Of course. Yeah. Well, what, no, I mean, that's, that's a given. That's what a else standard. are you doing to measure? Uh, well, for us, it, it's freedom to be able to go after products that were per, previously um, out of our reach. Either we couldn't buy the the required uh, quantities in order to go after them, or um, it was something that maybe hasn't been developed. So for us, success gives us avenues into products that aren't in the marketplace. So mm. for example, we when we were looking at little kids shirts, we decided that, that they had too short of a lifespan and we created capes. And by creating capes, we were able to change the behavior of the customers. That wouldn't have happened if that product wasn't available, if we weren't a, making enough money off of the other products to be able to go out and do some R&D and say, where do kids capes fall into the marketplace? And initially people looked at us with cross-eyed going, what are you doing? There's, that's not possible. And then we turned around and said, hey, if we make these capes, they're going to affect the children in a positive way. And almost immediately the adults wanted capes. And so for us, success is finding little victories in things that normally wouldn't be considered a victory by a larger company. So it's not big offices for us and not national branding. It's, it's having a position. And, and to get to the biggest position, which is fully sustainable, circular economy under one roof in a vertical, we're going to have to partner with much larger organizations. So eventually you'll see Fed by Threads get swallowed up by a bigger company that has a heart that's in the same place. But until we get to them, we're just going to keep carving our way, uh, going after the, the little victories that we can do on a day-to-day -day basis. Well, it's like, how do you change an unchangeable system? 
one right? little, one little bit at a yeah, time. Yeah, one little bit at a time. And yeah. you know, and how do you do the next new exciting? And I, I can't even remember what we said at the beginning, but to get back into green living, you know, what's the yeah. next, you know, new innovative thing that you know? What what it, what was that uh, that section? The the new exciting, the cool and outrageous, cool and outrageous, yeah. right? How do you be new, more cool and outrageous? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, at Fed by Threads, we will say uh, it take it, pebbles, and if you put enough pebbles in place, you can divert a river. Ah, so for right. us, we're just trying to change that river one little thing at a time. So in the long run, um, we're going to be the same looking company in five to 10 years, but it might be um, an organization that's global. That's where I think we're going to end up being. Okay. Because our in-country model can work everywhere. And, you know, we've worked with the Department of State talking to Venezuela and Costa Rica, Cuba, even and uh, seven different South American and Central American countries that are all interested in our business model. So I think there's there's possibility for it just to populate all over the world. And so that's ultimately success could just be fed by threads is everywhere. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah. A- another way to change an unchangeable system is, <laughs> yeah. you know, get at yeah. it from all different angles. And, and, and it's something that I, yeah, I think about conscious capitalism. I always say, well, if nothing else, we don't, you know, convert everybody. If nothing else, we'll just outlast them because it's better business. You have yeah. the sustainable business model that, you know, we'll just outlast everybody who's chasing the buck every single day. Exactly. And do you overtly celebrate the wins that you get when you innovate a cape design we, like that? Or is it we, just inherent? We know we, we accomplished. We, we found a new way. We do kind of, we get um, a happy lunches. So, happy lunches. Right. <laughs> so we celebrate with lunches. Somebody gets to pick what it is. And then we all share a meal together because sharing a meal bonds a community. And really Very families true. connect at the dinner table. So yep. for us, um, when we're celebrating something, it's a choice of food. There you and, go. Mm-hmm. And then when you watch somebody goes, I get to pick this one, and they go and, uh, one of our um, uh, younger folks, uh, Tara Doyle, who um, is an activist, she uh, first she got to pick one of the uh, last meals and she wanted to try Hawaiian food for the first time. And when she got done, she said, uh, Hawaiian food is very fattening. I said, have you ever seen Hawaiians? <laughs> <laughs> we, we love fattening food. The reason why every other lineman on U of A's team is... Uh, Big guy that likes yeah, macaroni salad right. for breakfast. <laughs> I was like, uh, I feel like maybe it's in time for some pigeon. <laughs> yeah, she's <laughs> yeah, do it for you. <laughs> so I would say for us, success is when we get letters or people call the office and tell us that, you know, thank you for producing the magazine. It's the last time I've read a magazine cover to cover or um, we had done a story on the kid against chemo and he was um, stage four lymphoma and he changed his life and now he travels all around the world telling his story. We have another writer, Rick Coggins, who was stage four lymphoma cancer and he wrote his journey for the last year and then this year he writes his maintenance and he's thriving and we get people calling from all over the country saying oh my gosh we love Rick Coggins story we want to go meet him at the next event we you know can we get your last 12 issues to hear his story and when someone can say you know your magazine helped me when i was sick or right. i learned so much from that article on the benefits of celery juice whatever it may be um, is pretty amazing. So that's how we really define success. And also, um, when people come to the event and they say, Oh my gosh, I come to your events and I learn something because you have different, you have different corporations and different vendors that are there and they could learn about Skya and the great things he's doing. You know, it's pretty amazing. Oh, shucks. Love it. Love it. <laughs> 
And if you're looking back five years from now, what would you like to have said, your, your road included? And from five years ago? No. If you're going forward, forward in time, five years, yeah, what would you like to say some of your accomplishments have been if you keep your trajectory? I would say being um, moving to larger areas. Okay. And in a southern regional and maybe on a national level. Okay. So creating a larger conscious community because the magazine's tagline is your conscious life. Okay. Makes perfect sense. There's lots of people to be educated, yep. not just in Arizona. Good for you. Well, and I also think that there's some advantage to, um, you know, consistency in your message. And so, you know, there's different people could certainly be saying the same thing or similar things, I suppose. And, uh, and that's good. And we want anyone who's, you know, putting out the message about conscious living, the better. And yet I think there's some sort of, you know, benefit or strength, you know, if you can, you know, in, increase your own reach because of that consistent message and how that can have maybe a quicker, you know, a bigger, quicker impact because we've got people sort of focused in some of the same areas. So I hope it happens. It will. It, it will happen. It will right? happen. Yeah, She'll it be will everywhere. happen. You know, you won't be able to get away from Dory. She'll be covering the country. <laughs> Either coast one to of coast. you, I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, the interesting thing that I love about uh, Dory's magazine is um, even on the individual level, she gives you a, a, a nugget that when you're sitting around the the uh, coffee table talking to people, you throw this out there and all of a sudden it's a conversation starter or it's a change in opinion and there's a dialogue that begins and it's not the normal things that you get on the evening news. And it may be something local or it may be something that's from a larger company, but it's it, it usually affects you or somebody that you would know and that's just a nice thing to be able to grab it and put it out to, pe to people in a, a kind way because most of the time it's uh, you're correcting people yeah, or yeah, sharing a piece yeah. of information whereas this is hey did you know yeah, and it makes a non-invasive non-invasive yeah, mm -hmm. or fantastic Fridays like we have good news Fridays every Friday on social media we want to get out and celebrate the successes like an airline now is doing something that's more eco-conscious that's what we're going to be promoting oh, and so that's nice. pretty fun too but I have to circle back to Skaya and the work that he does with Fed by Threads. Every time I go out and speak somewhere, I'm always bringing his T-shirts and showing different thought leaders how they can change the conversation. And everybody needs to know what Fed by Threads is doing. And their whole transparency and circularity is amazing. So. Well, we are just about out of time, or actually we are out of time. So it's, we want to make sure we at least get in the thanks. And I think that in some ways you guys have both already done it for us with, you know, Skya thanking Dory and Dory thanking <laughs> Skya. And so Jeremy and Hans. I will now thank That's both it. of you. So, <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for being on our show. Um, you've provided a lot of great information, great education. Make sure everyone looks for the cool and outrageous stuff. Go go uh, secondhand uh, shopping for your clothes and uh, make sure you're looking for uh, ways to do continuous supply chains. So thanks. Thanks for having us. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you. Cheers.